Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the NFL Scotland podcast. We're into draft week now and all eyes turn to the 2019 picks. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Will money go number one? Does Bosa go before Williams? Where have all the Raiders scouts been exiled to? We'll be sharing our thoughts on all the news and rumours from this year's draft. We'll discuss the continued rise of Jamie Gillen, reflect on our interview with them that we had last night and take a punt ourselves on where we think he might end up. We'll also look back at the brilliant NFL UK live event which took place in Edinburgh last week. We are now the official piper supplier of the NFL UK events and Cameron caught up with Neil Reynolds. We'll then finish up as ever with some of the latest news. However, to kick this episode off, we have another of our very own as we announce our fourth addition to the NFL Scotland team and we're delighted to confirm that PFF analyst Gordon McGuinness has joined up as our latest semi-regular. Yeah, he was drafting number one, but we've managed to get him in to us. Welcome to the team, Gordon. You came out on top when we predicted the top six in 2018 draft. You confident? This year, I am not in the slightest bit confident, I think. Uh, how the draft's going to go this Thursday night could be all over the place. I think from pick number one straight away, there's countless different ways. So my confidence level is somewhere around about ankle level at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've spoken to Kevin Costner, so I've, I've got everything sorted. I'm, I'm fine. So we kick off with the draft then. And obviously we are a matter of days away. The, the rumour mill is in full swing. It's red hot. Uh, we're hearing all kinds of things coming out now. We're seeing mock drafts plenty. We will get to our own. We're going to be making, as we did last year, our predictions for the first six picks. We're, three of us will do this on the podcast. We're also going to get the other three members now of the NFL Scotland team, Jamie Borthwick, Charles Patterson and Ian Stephen, to commit to theirs. We'll share them all on Twitter later in the week. But, Gordon, we'll come to you first of all. Obviously, um, you've worked in the analysis of American football. You did brilliantly with your picks last year. You knew Baker was going number one. Who's going number one this year? I, like I said there, I think it could be it could be any number of different ways. The way Arizona have played this very close to their chest, you know, the Kyler Murray question is really interesting because he's not quite as good as Baker Mayfield, certainly when it comes to being a passer. Uh, if you look at him, he's probably... Baker Mayfield slightly minus as a passer, Lamar Jackson slightly minus as a as a runner. So that forms this really interesting prospect that you know could do huge things. But Arizona took a quarterback in the top ten last year, and there's just something that I just can't quite expect them to go quarterback in the top ten two years in a row. So I think it's going to wind up being Nick Bosa that goes number one. Right. Okay. I mean, we've talked about it before on this pod. Uh, Paul and I wondered whether part of the rumour with uh, Kyler Murray comes from the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is coming into his first NFL job there had been conversations whilst he was coaching at college level that he had said that of course you would take you know Murray with the number one pick if you had it he would so there's part of this might just be saving face but my worry for I guess the Cardinal fans and the field seems to be quite negative around them going for Murray much to what you're saying there we don't go quarterback again but if you say it often enough do you start to believe it yourself and is that maybe where they're now painting themselves almost into the corner that they're going to end up taking Kyler Murray well if you take it I mean Cliff Kingsbury did say that he would take him so you go into the GM's office and say well I actually said if I ever got the chance I would take him and oh we've got the chance to take him there's a million possibilities. If you're going to stick with what you've got, you've got to trade out of that position and see what you can get and then go with Josh Rosen as your man. 
if Steve Kemp decides to say, actually, you're not drafting him, that's undermining the coach immediately. So there's potentially a little fracture in the relationship, first off. In the first major decision you have going in as a head coach, you get overruled. How does that set the platform? So there's all these subplots that are going on. And if Josh Rosen knows that they're not taking a quarterback um, and he's basically been asked to act as if he's slightly annoyed with it all and you know life isn't good and the promo material hasn't included him, if he's on side with that, he's a hell of an actor. <laughs> if the hypothetical does happen, and I guess there is three hypotheticals there because you've brought up another one where the, the Cardinals take... Murray, then they've got to trade Rosen either before the draft or some point after. Um, the Cardinals pick the best player available, which Nick Bosa up there, perhaps Quinn and Williams, whichever need is the greater. Um, or, yeah, do they try and trade back? Do they try and come down and give it to, say, someone that's a bit more desperate, the Giants or someone like that who can go and get the player? If they, you know, the Giants are dead set on getting a quarterback, do they run the risk that the Raiders might nip in front and take the man they want? And the Giants then go, do you know what, we'll take that, thanks very much. Yeah, I think the Giants are, are one interesting team there, and the other's Oakland. Oakland are sitting with pick number four, mm. uh, pick 24, pick 27, and then I think it's pick 35, somewhere in the early in the early 30s anyway. They could make a move and go up, and if, you know, all this talk of they've sent the scouts out of the room, which I think actually from things I've seen from um, Daniel Jeremiah, that actually happens more often than we're led to believe, um, and it's just been blown up for, you know, the humour of it being the Raiders that have done it. If they've sent the scouts out of the room because they don't want any leak that says we're going to make a trade and we're going to go up and get Kyler Murray at number one, that sets up something that for Arizona that could be huge because if they are going to go with Rosen, the one thing they have to do is improve their offensive line. He was terrible under pressure last year. Uh, they need to find a way to protect him better if they're going with him. You could trade down. You could grab Jonah Williams in the top ten. You could use one of your picks in the 20s to find a wide receiver or a player on defence and then grab a centre as well late in the first round. They could come out around one with three key players to help build around Rosen or they could come out around one with the guy who replaces Rosen. So in your opinion, who's the better quarterback here, Rosen or Murray? I think I would go I would go Murray purely if you're talking about as a, as a football player. The one concern I have with Murray is... Heading into the Super Bowl, there were some really poor interviews uh, that he should have been coached up to know exactly what to say. The questions that he was asked weren't difficult questions. It was fairly simple. You know, are you going to show up to the Oakland Athletics? Are you going to do this at your pro day, etc., etc.? And he really struggled with being able to answer those questions. And that, coupled with the potential that he can fall back in baseball, would make me a little bit nervous of using the number one overall pick on him. But if you're purely looking at them as quarterbacks, I think as a passer, he is a little bit better than Rosen. And it's such an important position that, you know, sometimes just that little bit extra can be the difference between a playoff team, a team that can challenge for a Super Bowl and all these things. So I think it really comes down to how good Arizona feel about Rosen and what their evaluation is of Murray. See, I find it quite fascinating. As you say, there might not be a lot of difference, but the difference would be if I stick with Rosen, trade the first pick, and my overall team gets better, does that give me a better chance of being a contender in my division? First of all, never mind thinking about playoffs at the moment. You've got to contend within your division and they're not been doing that. Or do I just say, no, Kyler Murray's the man and he'll, he'll get me there with lesser talent around? 
be interesting to see what you guys would do if you if you were the Kevin Costner here. What would you do with the first pick? Do you trade your stick, Cameron? I think looking at the needs for the Cardinals, the sensible option is to address them first of all. They've got problems all over the field, and you can look at the O line. Josh Rosen didn't get any coverage or protection. You look at the D line; it's not brilliant either at all positions. You've got players that people are talking about now. If you're worried about Nick Bosa coming in off an injury, then fine, you take Quinn and Williams, who's just had a monster year, and he's he's huge. Um, and you know, as a 49ers fan, I'll be honest, I'm hoping that they do take Kyler Murray because then we can pick Bosa or Williams, whichever one suits our fancy. Um, it's if it's me, I you, you pick the best player available, unless someone is super desperate. Um, and I just worry, though, whether or not, you know, are the Cardinals going to do enough out of this draft that they can actually get themselves better to the point where they're going to be way down the list next year? Or are they already thinking, look, you know, we're not going to be able to address the issues that much. We've got a lot of rebuilding to do. We're probably going to be in the first couple of slots next year as well. Let's bank that position for next year and try and do our swaps around. So it's... I love this bit. I love all this. And it opens up. You know, I think the Mike Mayock thing, we're talking about the Raiders. I think, reading into that, that over the years, Mike Mayock's uh, mock draft that he does just before the draft starts is clearly a scout-informed draft. And he's gone, right, boys, you used to leak all this information to me, so we'll see you later. And, of course, that's exactly how he did it. He knew people that he'd speak to. Look, I'm getting a feel for this. I'm getting a feel for that. Um... This is at this time of the year you have to ignore so much of it and you just gotta go with the, the feel. The feel has been for so long that it's uh Kyler Murray. Before that it was Nick Bosa. And I think to your point about going Bosa first, that is the probably the most sensible pick for that team. Is have a player of that calibre that's proven, okay, fine, slightly injured, but everything coming out of the back of that says that he's fine, he's fit, he's good to go. So you ignore it and you crack on. Yeah, and, and his athletic testing, you know, everything, he seems so comparable to his brother who's been really successful in the NFL so far as well. So I think if, if Oakland come in and offer three picks or if New York come in and offer their two first-round picks, two picks in the top 17 to move up to number one, you take that and you get two players. If not, I think it comes down to Murray or Bosa uh, or potentially Williams, as you said. Uh, and I just think... To go out there and, and add a pass rusher like Nick Bosa when you have a young quarterback like Josh Rosen that you can still build around, I think it's just going to wind up being too tempting unless that big trade offer comes in. Yeah, I mean, like you say, if it is the Giants, uh, the Giants obviously picking where they are, uh, the chances are that there's still going to be some top players available at that position. You know, Montez Sweat, there's question marks about him, obviously, with a heart condition. If they're willing to overlook that, then great, crack on. Um, you've got Josh Allen, although chances he won't be there. Um, uh, Rashan Gary, I think, has got a slight injury now as well, so there's question marks there. But there's still quality players there to be got that perhaps maybe not as stellar a signing as one of those big names that's been talked about. But again, it's all about getting value. Yeah. Again, it's interesting. I mean, where do, where do you go with Kyler Murray versus Dwayne Haskins versus the guy of Duke, Daniel Jones? Is there really a gap? I mean, current projections I'm looking at, you're looking at one, and then you're looking at you know, 12 and 17. Is there that much of a gap between them? I, I think as passers, um, Murray is significantly more consistent than the other guys. I would say Haskins reminds me a lot of the type of passer that Josh Rosen is, uh, Jameis Winston, 
Eli Manning, Joe Flacco, that type of player who <laughs> can, can go on a run and can have some success, but just game to game, you don't really know what you're going to get. And I think you saw that from Haskins in college. He had some huge games. He had some huge games against Michigan, which draws a lot of attention. Yes, because, of because it's Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't that consistent. I remember seeing some games from him during the season and he would fade away for stretches of the game. So Murray has that extra bit about him that he's more accurate as a passer and I think what he can do as a runner as well will intrigue some teams. So I would I would say there is enough of a gap there. Once you get to Haskins, I would say he's too... I'm not a huge Daniel Jones fan. I think after you get to that point, you can mix Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, even Will Greer from West, West, Mich- West Virginia... You can mix them and all interchange them, but I think Murray probably is the clear the clear QB one in this class. The Giants fascinate me because if I'm Eli Manning, in fact, talking about Eli Manning, I don't know if you saw that Monday Night Football. Peyton Manning is apparently not going to take the Monday Night Football gig right, okay. until Eli Manning has retired. Now, you could argue he could have taken it two years ago <laughs> <laughs> to be cruel, but I won't be cruel. The Giants are obviously got a couple of picks in the first round. Can they sell? To Eli, look, we're not going to take a quarterback. We're not going to trade up for Murray. We're not going to take it with our number six pick. Uh, but they could, you know, would he, would he mind so much if it was 17? You know, the, there's less pressure. I think if you go in the top five, you almost expect the guy to go in and start. If you start to come outside the top 12 and their next pick is 17, I think that would be able to. I think you could bench him quite happily and leave Eli as your starter unless it all goes horribly wrong. The other option they've got is if they want to look, if they think they can make a run with Eli, and I think they do think that. Yeah. I, I heavily disagree. I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have taken a running back with a second overall pick last year. But if they do believe that, if I was them, I would look to move back from six and 17 potentially and try and start to stock up for next year, the following year, add those draft picks so that when you do decide to move on from Eli Manning, However many years late most people might believe it is, you've got the the ammunition to move up and grab, you know, Tua from Alabama next year, or Justin Herbert from Oregon, or maybe it's two years down the line and it's uh, the the kid from Clemson. Yeah. You know, so could you could you find somebody that say? I mean, I always I always personally think unless unless you are absolutely certain, I don't like giving up a top five pick. Now I would in Arizona's case because I've got the quarterback. And I'd be prepared to come back. I wouldn't, if I'm the Giants, want to give up, you know, the sixth pick or wherever they are there. But I'd be quite happy to give up the 17th. Are you going to get parity in terms of picks? So could you go to somebody and say, look, we're our first round pick this year at 17 for years next year. Bearing in mind you might be getting somebody, you know, of a Seattle 25, something like that. Is that worth the gamble? Yeah, I think that's, that's where it gets interesting because you want to trade with a team... The advantage to trading for a team who want to move up for a quarterback is if they start that young quarterback, there's a good chance it's a high pick the following year because young quarterbacks generally struggle. So trading number six potentially yields you something better the following year. 17 means you're you're seeding less this year. The interesting thing with this draft class, though, is that I think when you look at the top of this draft class, it's not as good as last year. I think at at the edge position, Nick Bosa is a better player than Bradley Chubb was last year. But outside of that, I think most positions, the top of the class last year, were stronger. So pick six this year might not 
be as valuable as it was a year ago and potentially you could yield something better next year. Yeah, and then, I mean, this is this is the game of cards um, that, that is played at this time and it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, right, so let's take another hypothetical <laughs> thought. If the Cardinals are picking up Murray, that means Rosen's going somewhere else. If Rosen's going somewhere else, where do you think he ends up? Well, I think you've then got a sort of house of cards. I mean, Washington yeah. want a quarterback, but Washington, by all accounts, like Dwayne Haskins, uh, and are quite prepared to sit with what they've got, Case Keenum and Colt McCoy, and take a chance there. I don't see them trading massively just to get Josh Rosen. That's because I think they've got something in the building, and if it all goes horribly wrong, you get a top pick next year. The Giants are the interesting one, but again, I don't think they want to offend Eli. That you know, that's the problem as, as far as they're concerned. So I'm not really sure where the market suddenly becomes available for Josh Rosen. You could argue, you know, the Raiders could look at him, but this this also means the fact, why are the Raiders giving up on Derek Carr? Yeah. Is there a problem inside that building? Is there a personality clash? Is Carr just had enough there? So while we talk about the potential for the trade for Rosen, you could also talk about the potential trade for Derek Carr. I'd rather trade for Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, he's had his injury problems and things like that, but there was some chat about them potentially shopping him. It seemed to come up and then disappear pretty quickly. And then we saw that horrible, awkward video of Antonio Brown rocking up at his house and them, like, awkwardly high-fiving each other and going, hey, bro, hey, bro, and, yeah, excited. And it was, oh, it was painful stuff. Oh, bad. Anything um, with Antonio Brown does, yeah, tend to, yeah. does tend to be painful, it has to be said. But again, Derek Carr could be on the market. So, yeah. you know, if you're Arizona and you say, well, you want Kyler Murray, we'll tell you what, we'll take Derek Carr for the season. And, we, you know, we can either sit him behind what we've already got, Josh Rosen, or we can start him and say, right, Josh, you're going to be our guy in a year or two. I'd be very uncomfortable if I was Derek Carr. But anyway, you haven't answered my question. Where's Josh Rosen ending up if he's getting traded away? <laughs> I, I love this politician thing. I was watching, just, just to, to divert, I was watching a clip of a town hall, which was Bernie Sanders. And somebody asked him a simple question. And I was watching, it took him three times, he said, to answer your question. And it took him over two and a half minutes to actually answer the question. It's like, so I really shouldn't be doing that. So you're trying to beat his record at the moment. I'm trying yeah. to beat his record. I'm doing quite well at the moment, am I? Uh, see, the problem is our podcast isn't a set time. If you go into a set timed interview, you can outdo the interviewer simply by, you know, talking the answer all the yeah. way around. But unfortunately, you can edit anything out. Absolutely. So, um, so when you're ready. When I'm ready. If I'm Arizona, I trade Kyler Murray. You trade Kyler, so you yeah, pick so I, I, the, No, no I, would, I would trade the pick. I would right. trade the pick. I wouldn't touch him. I would trade the pick. Right. I okay. think you, there's a lot more value to be had. So if I was the GM... Um, I would say I was taking him all the way up till I really made others sweat and got the best possible price for him. Bearing in mind that if the worst thing came to worst and I had to draft him, I would draft him. But I would be milking this for all it was worth. Yeah. He still hasn't answered my question, though, so I'm going to move on. No, He's not going, is he? So Josh Rosen so, so gets we, moved to no, 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 no. <laughs> Josh Rosen stays where he is. 100%. That, that's, there's that's just no hypothetical here. That's it. Fine. Okay. Gordon. Josh Rosen hypothetically gets traded, where do you think he goes? If he goes, I think it's Washington. Um, I think the interesting thing is going to be what the compensation is. If the compensation is a first-round pick, then the number of teams interested, I think, is fairly small. Once you start getting into a second and third-round pick, 
if you're New England, if you're the Chargers, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, all these teams with older quarterbacks, and you can add a young quarterback who doesn't cost you a lot in the salary cap, it just makes so much sense if you can get him for a non-premium draft pick. Uh, but if it is for, let's say he has been traded and it is for a first-round draft pick, I would go Washington. I think that's the most likely first round. Yeah, Grant. I am going to put myself on this one. I think for similar sorts of reasons, but if I look at the starters as they are at the moment and who's the likeliest one to struggle first that isn't a young quarterback that's going to get a bit of a break, so Lamar Jackson's who I'm thinking about there, it's um, our good friend Ryan Fitzpatrick at the Miami Dolphins. And actually, I wonder whether the Dolphins go, we'll take Josh, thanks very much, we'll sit him for a few weeks, rebuild his confidence up, and actually start to look to bring him in as their QB of the future. Um, that is unless they're planning to just tank this year, which it does look like they're going to do, um, and go for whoever's top of the board next year. That would be the only reason why they maybe wouldn't do that. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think, though I'm going to say, in my, I'm going to say that Callum Murray goes number one overall in my mock just because it just... I can't ignore it. There's too much noise to ignore. But I agree. I think if it was me, I wouldn't be picking him. I'd be sticking with Rosen. I'd go and get the best available player. There's two absolute monsters at the top of that board. And you're potentially skipping over a, a franchise player for someone who might be uh, an upgrade on a quarterback, but might not be under a new head coach. It's just, yeah, it's so risky. Right, okay. Well, we'll move on from number one, though. Two, three, four... So we're looking at the Niners, um, uh, we're looking then at the Jets, and then we're looking at the Raiders, we've touched on them, but we'll come back to them. San Francisco, what do you think they're doing? Edge. Either Bosa if he goes, if he doesn't go number one, or Josh Allen. I think they've... I, I mean, Quinn and Williams is a fantastic player, but all San Francisco have done the last three years is add great interior players, so yeah. at some point they have to add someone on the edge. Um, and I think Josh Allen's... Not not quite as good as Nick Bosa, um, but was really dominant off the edge in 2018. So um, I would say Bosa or Allen's going to San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as a niner myself, I think that it's... It, for me, I think actually they will come to best available player. And I think they will... If if it's my, Murray first, then it's between Bosa and Williams. If Bosa goes first, I wonder whether the Michael Williams over... Allen just because he's such a big monstrous player um, and while they've been picking up interior linemen it's still not a great position they're still I wouldn't say we're set there um, and again if, it, if it's if it's best available player then I think it's Williams over Allen but if it is addressing that edge which you're right we absolutely need to do then if Bosa's gone take Allen if Bosa's there go Bosa it does feel quite simple in that form. see I think it depends on, on the nature of your job if you take Bosa and for any reason that injury reoccurs, you're done yeah. as the GM. If it was a 50-50 pick and my job is in slight doubt, I'm taking Williams simply because he doesn't have that injury that kept him out for so long. The flip to that is that, yeah, Bosa's fresh. You know, he's recovered from his injuries, passed all the tests. But I was trying try to look for the slight negative. What would be the negative? And if Bosa did something to that same injury in training camp, the press, well, 
he was injured last year. You must have known that. Yeah. And it's just one of those difficult ones. If if you're on a good team, you can ride it and say, look, he'll be back. But basically, if if you're if you're in the first five, six, seven picks, this person starts day one. Not only starts day one, but must be impactful from day one. So the safer bet, I would argue, is Williams. If if San Francisco got Williams, I doubt you'd be unhappy. No, I wouldn't be. I, I, I wouldn't be. Um, I, and when we come to a mock, I'll explain that I think it is just one of these two and it's going to be the better of the two that's available. Um, John Lynch loves an injured player. That's the only <laughs> thing about San Francisco. He loves someone that's got a little bit of a tear, a little bit of a sprain. So, you know, half of our team's out injured most of the season. So, you know, if anything, if Bosa Zeri's coming just for that very reason, he's a bit ramshackled. Let's have him. Well, if, um, if we ever get the chance to go and see a Niners game, I'll take my cleat. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you'll introduce me to John Lynch and tell him that's it. <laughs> oh, me, John. I'm not saying it to his face. Oh, I'm not saying it to his face. Um, okay, right, fine. At Jets, then, what do they do? I think they go defence, best available player, and again it comes down to Bosa, Allen, Williams. Um, I think the order there is probably Bosa first if he's available. Um, Then it gets really interesting because I think I would lean Williams, but they've got such a need off the edge. They they went after Anthony Barr at linebacker, but the expectation was they were going to play him on the edge, which arguably I think he's better at, Mm. which indicates that Allen would possibly be the pick there to try and boost their edge. So when, you know, for people who might just be sort of newer to the game, in in terms of what's the difference between edge when you you talk about that, what are you looking at specifically? So the the interior guys are the guys who are more often than not lined up against guards and centres on the inside. The edge guys are the ones who you have going up against tackles. And generally your edge guys obviously are going to be the more athletic guys who are, you know, trying to win on the outside with speed. Um... And if you look at, in the NFL, what's been important over the years, um, having really productive edge players is more product, is a better correlation to winning games in the NFL than on the interior. Um, so that's where the value side comes into it a little bit there. Yeah, I think J.J. Watt, I guess, is probably the best. Yeah, and Watt's interesting as well because he started out as an interior guy, um, but was so good and so dominant that they've now moved him out, out to the edge and the, the other way I think as well rather than confusing things with edge and interior um, you have players that can do both and you know you'll have teams who have a guy who plays further outside on the early downs when it gets to third down and it's more obvious passing situations they're going to move that guy in on the outside and get someone even smaller and quicker on the outside there so there's a lot of gamesmanship and a lot of scheming that comes into these things yeah, no, I agree on the Jets as well. I think it's the best available player, depending on what happens in front of them. I think that they're in that one of those positions where they're going to be delighted with whoever falls. So much with Donald last year, um, as as the board unfolds, they're going to be like, Do you know what, we've got a, we're fine here. Whatever we take, we're going to be upgrading somewhere. Uh, we're going to be getting a great player. So as long as they don't go off piste and Jets it, then uh, they'll be fine. Hopefully we won't hear the Jets booing in Nashville this Thursday night. <laughs> Paul, yeah. what do you think the chances are of that? <laughs> no, no, they'll boo anybody, the New York Jets. They'll just boo them for the kit alone. <laughs> uh, Raiders then. What are we thinking the Raiders are going to do? Are they going to go quarterback? Is that a lot of chat? Or are they going to... Is Mike Mayock better than that? Is he just going to go for best available player? There's been a lot of talk that 
there's going to be a surprise pick at number four. And I'm not sure that I necessarily buy that, but the thing I was thinking about today is if there is a surprise, cornerback is not a position that people are very high on heading into this draft. But it is a position that's incredibly important, and Oakland haven't been great in pass coverage the last couple of years. So I wonder if at number four, if indeed it is a surprise pick, if it winds up being Greedy Williams from LSU at cornerback, or Byron Murphy from Washington, someone like that, mm. um, who potentially they don't think is going to fall to 24-27, if they think there's a big enough gap between the, one of those guys and the rest of the cornerbacks, I wonder if they potentially make that surprise pick at number four. Paul? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I was just looking at Greedy Williams and the mock that I've got. I mean, he's projected at uh, 24, projected for the Raiders. They've got great interest. We've seen him. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant. The speed that he's got is tremendous. Such a smooth runner. Um, and I, th- I think he just he seems to envelop receivers without necessarily getting called for it. If you believe he's your guy and it is a real position of need for the Raiders. Yeah, I, Every I, position's a position yeah, of need. Yeah, arguably, them. but I mean, they've been burned so often at cornerback. Um, yeah. That, that's, that's a potential. He's, he's certainly a guy that could go. Um, I mean, the other LSU uh, was uh, Devin White. He's another interesting player, but I think there's similar players to him around, and therefore, if you think that the best corner is back there and that somebody's likely to snaffle him, because I don't necessarily buy that... If the Redskins don't take the quarterback from Duke, I'm not sure anybody does before, and he'll tumble into the second. So that's where you start to get that risk of seeing somebody move. The other alternative, of course, is that given their picks, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they come up to 15 or 16 to look for them, so there might be a little trade within the first round for that. Um, I mean, there's there's players I like. I mean, the tight end to me, I think tight end's a fascinating position. Um, the guy out of Iowa, TJ Hawkinson, um, I think he's a tremendous player. Uh, the Jags are looking at him potentially. I mean, he's down at seven. But again, what might be ahead of him might force him to tumble down a little bit. If that is what you the Jacksonville Jaguars think they need, might they try and move up a position or two just to make sure that you get that piece. And it, it all depends on where you are. The Jags are arguably just a couple of pieces away. Mm. So when it comes to, I mean, I always like you, you want to draft the best player available, but would there be much point in them going, you know, with another tackle who's just behind Jawan Taylor uh, or Delvin Bush at linebacker when actually you want a tight end? So sometimes you actually pull the trigger just to be sure because just getting another defensive player I don't think what they need. It's not the side of the ball that they need to be focusing on, I don't think, in Jacksonville. I think that last season was obviously a disappointment. But one of the things that we've seen, uh, one of the rumours that's circulating at the moment is, um, is their interest in trading for Jalen Ramsey. And did the Jacksonville Jaguars move away from Ramsey? Because they, there's been a lot made about the fact he's not at voluntary workouts, um, to which... Numerous, Tom Coughlin's made a comment about the fact he's not there, to which numerous people, the PFA, his agent, and Ramsey himself have all said uh, the key word here is voluntary. Uh, it's not like I'm not doing something. He's apparently working out with his dad. You know, there's no question marks about fitness. The flip to that is, well, do you know what? You've kind of come off the back of a 
you know, car crash of a season when you compare it to the one before. What you really want is your best players in the building to be shown a good example and you need someone to lead that team. So interesting there, obviously, if, you know, if the Jets were interested, you might end up seeing the, the Jags jumping up to number three. And then at that point, you've got to think they're going up for an edge rusher or something like that because they're the stellar players. If they pick at seven, then I think a good shout. Uh, tight end's a good shout. And the other thing that I anticipate that the Jags will do is they'll do something stupid like pick up uh, Metcalf, who is just a flop waiting to happen. Um, There's not a kicker in the first round, they fancy. No. You know, there, 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 there is always that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, that's Jacksonville. But um, for me, yeah, the Raiders have to go best available player, I think. They've got three picks. Pick the best available player at all three of those areas, and they're going to make themselves a better team. Yeah, I think their their two options are try and move up to take Kyler Murray, or use those three picks. And you know they they've done a really good job of accumulating draft picks. Now is the time to to really try and set something up to make a run in the next couple of years. But it's interesting we talk about you know how teams manage to to get draft picks, and we know that you know Oakland basically had a fire sale. Um, to allow them to do that. Look at the picks the Patriots have. It's quite quite scary. I mean, it, it's almost like, you know, when if you play at Monopoly and somebody's the banker and you suspect they're nipping in to take the extra 100, they're giving themselves 300 down and 200. Almost seems like the Patriots are helping themselves to the extra picks <laughs> somewhere. I think we should all be very suspicious that the Patriots are accumulating draft picks. Tom Brady's still playing well enough. But at some point, and in today's NFL... I think with how often quarterbacks get hit decreasing significantly, I think you can play later into your career. But he's in his 40s now. There does come a point where that's, you know, his arm is going to fall off. Possibly literally. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not for his sake. He's a nice guy. But I do wonder if all this accumulating of draft picks that Belichick's doing, and I do wonder if we'll see him move back from those picks again this year and accumulate more for next year, is because at some point he wants to have a war chest that he can go from the 30s to the top five in the draft to go up and get a quarterback next year, the year after, at some point when he has to find a new quarterback because he doesn't have the replacement in Jimmy G anymore now that he's in San Francisco. So I, I do wonder if that's a little bit of a something to watch for in the future. Another potential landing spot for Josh Rosen, if they're going to get rid of him, is to the Patriots pick him up, park him behind Tom and say, look, go and learn for the next year. Two years, three years, four years, however long Tom wants to play. But we'll if, you, take it from there. if you were to do that, I mean, you could give up their, they've got two second round picks at 56 and 64. So you could easily give up your 56 and then you, they've got two picks in the third. As well. In fact, they've got three picks in the third. Yeah. So you could, okay, you want to keep your third round pick as high up as you possibly can. So they've got 73 and 97 and a 101, but you could package up the 56 and 73. You've got a quarterback in the building. And then you can go for best player available almost with these picks as they come in. Yeah, indeed. Right, we've gone through the top four. I think we'll draw a line there. Enough of the ifs, buts and maybes and time to put ourselves on the line. Um, for So first pick six section of the season. Um, six of us taking part in it this year, three of us on the pod. We're going to start with our guest because that's what happens when you're the guest. Our semi-regular, no longer guest. You're new to the team. The rookies get to go first. So... What are your picks one through six, Gordon? I'm going to go Arizona taking Nick Bosa number one overall for all the reasons we've discussed. I think San Francisco then take Josh Allen. I think the Jets then take Quinn and Williams. I think Oakland are going to switch it up and I think we see 
I'm going to say Greedy Williams at cornerback okay. comes off there. I think then Devin White goes to Tampa Bay. And I think at six with the Giants, I think they are committed to Eli, so I think they go tackle and I think they go Jonah Williams from Alabama. Uh, okay, so. Yeah. I think the cards also stay put, therefore that's Bosa. I think the 49ers then pick up Williams. I think the Jets, interestingly, I think it's between Josh Allen and Devin White. I like Devin White because I saw him play for LSU. I don't think there's much in it. I like Josh Allen as well. Uh, but just to dare to be different, I'll go Devin White on on that. So that's... I'm, I'm now trying to say... So that's Arizona, San Francisco, the Jets. The Raiders... Well, Raiders, Josh Allen. And the Giants... See, I think the Giants... Missed the Buccaneers. Missed the Buc- Well, of course, they shouldn't get anybody. <laughs> They shouldn't be allowed a pick, um, to be perfectly honest with you, because it's it's the Buccaneers. Uh, I don't know. See, I've, I've looked at various things for the Bucs, and if things move above them, I'm not convinced where they're going to go. I think Jawan Taylor's a good shout for them. I think that's where we go. The Giants, I think the Giants will trade back um, and come out of there, so I'm not quite sure who then goes into that position. But even if I say they swap with Jacksonville, just one pick, uh, so Jacksonville can get Hawkinson. Right, okay. Well, um, so I'm going by, I think, the the trends, I'll be honest, more than anything else. So I, have, I do have Kyler Murray to the Cardinals. It's wrong, 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 but there's been so much hype and chat. Again, I've talked about whether it's just about, you know, backing up their uh, head coach, not making any difficult things, but I think they've talked about it so much they almost now have talked themselves into a position where they have to do it to now not save face from the fact that they've talked about it so much. Uh, a real shame for Larry Fitzgerald. I think it would waste his last year, personally. I don't think he's the type of receiver that would play well with Kyler Murray's schemes and benefits. But anyway, I think they go Kyler Murray. I think Nick Bosa comes to the 49ers, and I'll uh, consider getting myself a Bosa kit next year. Um, I think that he's brown. He's a need. The edge is a greater need, and I think, it, as I said before, I think it comes down to Bozer Williams, and the greater need is edge. Simple as. The Jets pick up Quinn and Williams purely because I think it's the best available player, and at that point they're going to go brilliant. I can't believe Quinn and Williams has fallen all the way to number three. He's a monster. Thanks very much. They like defensive line monsters in the green side of New York or New Jersey. Josh Allen then ends up at the Raiders again. I think Mike Mayock will take the best available player, and again off the edge, he's a big strong. Big strong guy. They've replaced Amari Cooper by bringing in Brown. I think that Josh Allen goes some way to replacing Khalil Mack. And I think that then gets that done. And they go, well, look what we did. You know, we let these guys go. But look at these two and they're saving us some money. Although Antonio Brown isn't really. Um, but that's where they go. I think that Devin White goes to the Buccaneers. Um, which don't, will be a sickener for me. you. Don't upset me. <laughs> I think that Quan Alexander coming away has got left a bigger hole there than perhaps in other areas. And I think that addressing need with best available player means that they're going to look at Devin White and go, do you know what? That's going to fix a need at linebacker. I think that the pace that White's got and the fact that he can hit hard in a division that's got Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, these sort of dual threat running backs. Um, he's the sort of linebacker that you want to try and mop up the mess if they manages to get through the line. So I just feel like it makes sense there. And then I think that the Giants do hit panic button. I think that Dave Gettleman's had 
the the kickback from the fans from getting rid of Odell Beckham. The, he needs to do something stellar. I don't think a tackle or a D lineman is going to cut the mustard there, and I think he's going to use that pick to go and get Dwayne Haskins, and then he'll do something more sensible at seventeen. Um, so so yeah, so I have it: Murray, Boza, Williams, Allen, White, Haskins. So there you go, set in stone. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, anything can happen. That's the beauty of it. Somebody yeah. can just come out of left field, as you say, with a, with a pick like Greedy Williams, who's currently projected in the 20s, could easily come up for simply for need. It might be, as I suggested, that the Jags might even trade up just one place rather than somebody else trading. Because somebody said, well, what's the point? Because the Giants won't be picking a tight end. But it's to prevent somebody else from coming in to do so. Um, because you never know. If teams have got... You know, a bit of flexibility sometimes, and it wouldn't be the, the first time it's happened, is that you go up in the draft to screw your opponents Absolutely. within your division. Absolutely. Just to pick somebody that might be a luxury for you, but if you feel you've got the team. Um, so sometimes it's that ability to thwart what somebody else is doing is always an interesting yeah. one. So before we move on then, we need to touch on one last thing, and we touched on it at the beginning there. Um, we obviously had that great interview with Jamie Gillen yeah. yesterday that we put out on the podcast. Great interview with Coach Sheffield as well. Jamie's come across really, really well. and We've got everything crossed for him that he manages to get picked up in the draft. Um, if not, we're sure he'll be snapped up as an undrafted free agent anyway, but let's take a punt on this. Haha, <laughs> see the Oh, it's very yeah. good, yeah. Punt with the punter. We'll, we'll kick this around yeah. for him. Um, if he does go somewhere, where does he go? Well, I think because they've got one of the best stadiums that I quite fancy visiting, he's got to go to the Indianapolis Colts. How about that? Fine, I'll take the Colts. I don't mind whether it's tickets on the 50-yard line or in hospitality. I don't mind that at all. I think he might wind up in Baltimore as a long-term replacement to Sam Cooke. I think they've shown something in the last couple of years whereby they've added guys in training camp to back up Justin Tucker and Cook and give them a little bit of a uh, run around in preseason, uh, and then they've they've then moved them on. Some of them have uh, gone on after they've been released. Wouldn't shock me if he winds up in Baltimore, either as a late round or undrafted free agent, and sits for a year uh, behind Sam Cook and then winds up uh, taking over there down the line. Yeah, interesting. So I have him. I think he's definitely ending up in AFC West, but I'm not sure which team it is that he ends up on. For me, I think he ends up potentially on the Chargers, who had problems at punter last season, and another team in that division that had problems at punter last season, the Denver Broncos. So we know he can kick it long, we know he can kick it high. Just imagine it in you know that altitude. Woof, that ball's never coming down. I was going to say, they, they need to <laughs> get back run, at the car park. I reckon he yeah. could kick it 60 yards, run and catch it himself, you know, and that could be something different. Um, but, you know, obviously, it's uh, we wish him all the very best. And fingers crossed he gets uh, something out of it. I hope he enjoys his draft weekend. And it'd be brilliant to see a Scotsman drafted onto an NFL team. Oh, it'd be absolutely tremendous. Really, we wish him well. So last week in Edinburgh, we had the NFL Live UK event. Now, we're not going to get Cameron to blow his own trumpet because he did blow his own bagpipes quite a lot. And boy, did he work hard. I was there. I saw it all. So the official piper of the NFL UK is now Cameron Holmes, which is tremendous. And Cameron also cut up with Sky Sports' Neil Reynolds just ahead of the event. So joined now by Neil Reynolds of NFL UK. Neil, how does it feel to be back in Edinburgh? I love it. I always enjoy coming up. Uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday about, I was explaining, I think I was telling Cliff Averill about the, 
the tour and, and where we go, different places. And I said, and we always try and get a, a trip to Scotland in. And, you know, we've been to Glasgow, Edinburgh, we've been a few times now. Um, and so I was sort of explaining that that's why we come up here because we always get such a great response. Um, fans are really into it. It's always one of the first ones we try to get to, you know, and it's always on that kind of list that we must must come back. So, uh, yeah, I'm very happy to be back in this beautiful city. And, um, yeah, no, looking forward to the show. And the last one's obviously the headline act of the whole tour, but how's the rest of it going? Save the best till last. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. Oh, these guys, I think it's one of the best tours we've had. Best lineup, you know, in terms, with all due respect to the other guys, in terms of career achievements, you know, everyone a Super Bowl champion, everyone a pro bowler. Um, eight Super Bowls between them, NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP, uh, two Hall of Famers, but not only all those accolades, they are so entertaining. They are just so good because, again, I think a little bit more experienced, a bit experienced in broadcasting. They could talk the hind legs off a donkey. They really could. And that that's great as a, as a host because all you want to do is, like, tee them up and, and let them go. And... and I mean, the, on the on the Wednesday night in Newcastle, hmm. they must have spent a full five minutes arguing over the scoring system of a game of NFL charades. <laughs> and I literally just sat there and I was just like, I'm just going to let you keep talking again, let you guys punch yourselves out. And when you're finally finished, I'll get a word back in and I can have a chat with you. But I, it was so, it's been so much fun. They're like literally electric and really, really good guys as well, you know very fortunate to get to spend time with them off stage uh traveling all the traveling we do together they're they're really good and and they love it so much we'll sit on the bus and there'll be a full conversation last night after the show we've been on stage for two two and a quarter hours and we get in the bus back to the hotel and all of them are having a conversation about which quarterbacks are going to go in the first (laughs) round of the draft and you just think they're not even switching up they just love it from start to finish they live it they love it and yeah, been a really, really good group. Yeah, brilliant. And I mean, it's great to get the fans. The people in Scotland embrace these events fully. You're yeah. right. You get a hard time on Twitter for pretty much everything. But <laughs> one of the things is always, when are you coming here? And when are you coming here? You know, obviously, there's always people looking for you to come to Scotland. So yeah. it's great to have you back. Yeah. Um, how do you cope with all that? Because you obviously are the man that seems to get the blame for everything. You, you'll notice I probably once every two or three months I bite. Yeah. So I, and then I get told off by my wife. She's like, "Don't do it! Don't do it!" I'm like, "I know, I know." But I tell you, when I really get annoyed is when I feel like it, people come across as kind of spoiled and ungrateful because yeah. we've been there. We know what it was like when we didn't have regular season games, yeah. and it wasn't like it is now. So, so sometimes I bite when it's like, oh, you know, we've got four games. But why are they all within five weeks? Well, we've still got four games. Um, you know, so the rest of it, honestly, I, it, it really doesn't bother me. And I know people people sometimes say that, but it genuinely doesn't. It genuinely doesn't. I, I, I have no no concerns about it at all. I'm, I'm sort of confident in what I do, what I've done over the years. Um, I love what I'm doing and... Um, you know, I would not, I would not ever sort of want to stop what I'm doing. And yeah, um, yeah no, it's it's just it's part of the job. It's part of the job. Yeah, and also in a way, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a, um, you know, a compliment that people think. Well, okay, we need to find out what's going on. Well, we'll ask Neil. Yeah, but I don't always have the answers. <laughs> in fact, there's quite a lot of times I don't have the answers, but they still ask me, and then uh, then they blame me, and then yeah, so. Um, 
but yeah it's it's all fine it doesn't it's it's just part of the job and yeah. and you know this is why i love these events because it's actually you know we get a great response you know we really do get a great response and so you you kind of realize well actually okay there's people out there that want to see you and want to come and watch what you what you're offering up and stuff so um yeah it's all good Brilliant. And obviously you touched on the fact that we've now got the dates for the mm. four games in London this year. The two at Tottenham's New Ground, the two at Wembley. Very exciting mm. round. Four belter games as well, to be fair. Not only the best lineup for the tour, but perhaps one of the best lineups of games as well. Yeah, and, and intriguing storylines with them. You know, I think that obviously the Khalil Mack playing against the Raiders. We get to see Antonio Brown yeah. now, all of what uh, John Gruden's trying to build. I like the look of Tampa Bay under Bruce Arians. I don't think Carolina are going to be you know, playing how they finished last year. Uh, the Rams, of course, were in the Super Bowl. And I think Jags and Houston is a is a very good game. That division, I think, because I think Nick Foles will make the Jags better. I think they'll fix some of their problems from last year. Um, that's, a, that's a division that's wide open. So, yeah, very, very fortunate with the games. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think, it, you know, the, the Tottenham one is quite a significant thing because, you know, to have a stadium built outside of, America that's purpose built yeah. for the NFL is is pretty amazing and so um yeah looking forward to that one especially but yeah we're going to be going to be a busy few weeks yeah. fun few weeks for the for the fans as well um you know almost like we've got our own franchise in a way getting down to the games week in and week out yeah. um so yeah can't wait for that and then we've got FA Boyer coming back to London but of course, we've got Graham Gonneau, who was born in Scotland, coming mm. back to the UK as well. <laughs> yes. We're going to hack, uh, hack onto that one. Right, he tries it as well. He does, it, he does as well. I don't know, I don't know how, how Scottish he is, but um, you know that, that, that was my job for a long time at NFL Europe, to find those kind of connections. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. if he wants to embrace it, then we'll welcome him. To, and he kind of reaches out on Twitter to NFL UK sometimes. Don't yeah. forget me, I'm... I'm one of the gang. Yeah. Okay, he, we'll take it. He had connected to us for a wee while as well, and then he had a mass cull. I think the players obviously get told at some point, right, delete everyone from right. your social media. So right. we didn't quite make the cut. But we were there for a while, and we were happy <laughs> with that. So brilliant. And then what's the plans then for you from now until those games? Is it just build the hype and keep it going? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, for me at the at the moment, um, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to work. I've got the draft coming up on Sky. Um, I'm starting to... Uh, you know, work on my season preview magazine. I'm going to bring out my own season preview magazine. That'd be about what third year I've done that now in a row. So, um, looking forward to getting t- stuck into that, writing on that. So, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on throughout the the off season. For me, obviously, it's not as busy um, as it would be uh, during the regular season. But from a personal point of view, I spend a bit of time with the family and get Mrs. R right. Yep. So, bigger things to worry about right now so um yeah it's quite it's quite nice to be able to still work and have things going on love the tours like this but then also dedicate some some family time which is what is important absolutely and we wish you all the best for that thank Thank you neil for joining us my absolute pleasure so cameron it was a great night there was no doubt about it neil said it was possibly the best lineup that they'd had. So after you'd done your piping, which I'll ask you about in a second, it was a fantastic night. It was. And let's say, first of all, thank you to Neil for mentioning the podcast on the stage. Absolutely. Which was great. Um, but yeah, a really good lineup. I got a very brief opportunity to chat to them just before I came out. Um, in true diva style, the players were busy and having to be chased up to the stage because they were pampering or whatever they do in their very own private green room. Uh, and we saw footage since uh, off the mount trying on kilts, eating haggis, 
and uh, Kurt Warner eating black pudding, but Michael Irwin refusing to do so, which I think is actually quite funny. Um, but no, it was great. An absolute honour for me to pipe out Neil, first of all. Um, he does a huge amount of work. We know that, um, you know, obviously he's a, a, a character. We mentioned that in the interview with him. Um, that some people will never be happy with what he does, no matter what he does, but it's water for ducks back. I think he does a great job. And I think actually he's become really good at running these events, first and foremost. But what a great lineup. We've had Kurt Warner before. Kurt was great the last time. The people that were over with Kurt perhaps weren't as good, and I thought this time it was made better because the people around Kurt were superb. I yes. thought Michael Irwin's humour was tremendous. He had the crowd in stitches. Willie McGuinness, it's a great presenter, great speaker, um, was funny as well, but and obviously got most annoyed for those that were there. Um, and I think Cliff Averill had something to add as well. Uh, I thought he was really interesting. Uh, a brilliant lineup. And can I just say, the people who were there, I mean, I spoke to quite a lot of people, I thought the questions were better mm -hmm. than before, I thought the sound was better, all of these things were managed really well, and NFL UK are really, really slick at these things, it was a terrific event, uh, Starsky and Hutch have been on the phone from the 70s, they'd like their outfit back that Michael Everett was wearing, <laughs> it was, it's the kind of thing that you, you know, if you lost a bet on a boys weekend, <laughs> and you had to travel in that, it was and, and the boots he had on or oh, something yeah. else as the well. The Louis Vuitton boots. We were trying to guess in the pub afterwards how much they were worth. And we were having all kinds of 12,000 plus oh. um, guesses. You know, it was quite something. Yeah, but he, he was absolutely fantastic. And just the whole night was great. I mean, second, I think that's been the second best NFL event in Edinburgh since our one at the Golf Tavern. Yes, of course. <laughs> and thank you to everyone that joined us at the Golf Tavern after this one as well it's always great to chat ball with people we love doing it the guys from the other podcasts as well great to catch up with them um, so all in all a thoroughly good evening very much enjoyed it Gordon's with us at the moment who, who would you like to see the NFL UK bring over is there a player that you'd really like to hear their stories I think anyone who anyone who's been in the Hall of Fame or those type of players I think the type of guy who I think has a ton of stories is like a Rob Gronkowski or I think as controversial a person as he probably is to a lot of people, Ray Lewis is such an interesting public speaker that I think it'd be really interesting to hear him, I'd say tell some stories, give a sermon is probably more likely what it would be, um, but yeah, players like that I think could could really bring something. Yeah, and I hope they do it again next year. It was tremendous. It raises a lot of money as well. I'm glad they charged for the tickets with most of the money going to charity. I think it's a brilliant thing that they do. Definitely. It makes people turn up on the night. I think that everyone's engaged in a really nice. Thank you to everyone that came up to both me and Paul on the night as well to comment. Uh, that you enjoy listening to this podcast that's great for us to hear we want all feedback we say it in every single episode but we really do love hearing it the bad stuff as well as the good you know we want to make this a good podcast uh, so keep continuing to share your thoughts on that front but I never got to ask my question so I'll ask it of Gordon okay. so Ellie Rams will their first pick do they go referee or side judge <laughs> I, I, I have another I have another friend who's a New Orleans Saints fan and he also is not over this. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Made worse by that schedule video by the Atlanta Falcons as well. Yeah, Just no. rubbing your noses in it. Cr credit it to them for that. And while we're talking about schedule videos, I still think the Browns won it with the Dot Matrix printer and John Dorsey. I, that that was my favourite. I, I loved Carolinas yeah. and I loved the, the Chargers as well, which was old stock videos. Yeah. 
and just they had the chefs instead of the chiefs. Yeah. The bye week, they had just an old guy waving at the camera. It's just <laughs> so, some of the NFL social media managers are phenomenal, and they really outdid themselves this year. Yeah, it's always become a thing now, an, an actual event in the calendar. Let's see these schedule videos coming out. It's brilliant. I think that the only way that some of these people could top that is to actually come across to somewhere like Scotland to find podcast team that are really, really good and get us to do it for them as well. <laughs> so if it's any, I don't mind which team it is, we're available. So on that, let's wrap up with the news then. Now that the schedule's out, we know when the London games are taking place. First up, of course, we've got the Bears um, at the Raiders, 6th of October at Tottenham. Then it's the week after, the Panthers at the Buccaneers, also at Tottenham. Then the games at Wembley come a little bit later in October. Bengals at Rams, and then into the first weekend in November, it's Texans at Jaguars. We asked you on Twitter which one you thought was the plum tie. What was the headline act? Uh, 51% of the vote went to Bears at Raiders. Second was the Jags, the, sorry, the Texans at Jags with 22. Then it's Bucks. <coughs> I haven't done this wrong. We're doing Panthers at Bucks uh, with 14%. And bottom of the pile, Bengals at Rams with 13. And I think that's just because that's probably the biggest potential blowout of all those games. What's your thoughts, guys? Yeah, I mean, I think there are potential blowouts there. If the Raiders draft well, that's an interesting game, first off the bat. I think the the Bucks against the Panthers, I would happily go and see if they both could lose. Um, but given it's a divisional game, there's an extra edge to that. And I think that's something that's missing. And I think the Bengals against the Rams is the kind of... And this is where I know this annoys Neil Reynolds, because no, there isn't a bad game that comes, no. but it's a bit more ramshackle, if you like, because it's two teams plugged no together. Yeah, it was intended. Um, <laughs> It's a bit more ramshackle because there's not a link between... It's like when the Vikings played the Steelers a few years ago. It's not a natural yeah. rivalry. And I think, and again, kudos to them for getting the Texans against the Jags. I think that potentially it's another great matchup. I really think Raiders-Bears is the absolute headline, especially because of the, the Khalil Mack um, addition to that. It's almost a little bit surprising that they allowed that game to come out of America because Khalil Mack getting to play against the Oakland Raiders again just scream something that would make uh, viewers' ratings on, on primetime. So I think that two teams with storied histories, the Khalil Mack factor, John Gruden's there again, uh, and the potential for the Raiders to add some serious talent in the draft this year, I think that has the potential to be a very fun game. It's also historically the first game that's going to be played at this new Tottenham Stadium from an NFL point of view. So there's a lot of things ticking the boxes on that side. I totally agree. Um, I think that the Khalil Mack thing makes it really interesting. Can the Bears continue to do what they're doing? Um, and then Antonio Brown, what's he going to be in that team? It's fascinating. But I agree. I think they're all great matches. Two divisional games, superb. We're getting to see the Panthers over here for the first time, I think, and the Texans. For the first time, get to see Gigi Watt, Deshaun Watson, get to see Christian McCaffrey, Cam Newton. These are players that you want to see. Maybe less so you, Paul, but um, with yeah. Cam Newton. But still, you still want to tick them. I got to see that guy play, so brilliant. That brings us on to another thing that we did on Twitter as well. In one of our previous podcasts, we kicked off a new section called uh, Belter or Bobag. Uh, the first contender that came up for this one was Antonio Brown. Given all of his activity of late, we asked, is he still an absolute belter for player or is he now tipped the scales and dipping much more into the Bobag side of the scale? Um, 86% went Bobag. Is that a surprise? <laughs> I don't think it's surprising. Um, I, think, I, I think people shouldn't really be surprised that a wide receiver in the NFL is being a diva. It was only a handful of years ago, or in fact, maybe I'm showing my age and it's longer than that, 
that Terrell Owens was doing a workout in front in front of his house because the Philadelphia Eagles locked him out. I think as long as he can produce on the field, everyone's going to forget about it. But yeah, it's been a it's been a very interesting off season to say the least for Antonio Brown. But I think for this week's, and I don't know if you've got anybody in mind, but I'm going to throw a name okay. out for you because it's draft week. So Belter or Bobag, Roger Goodell. <laughs> Oh man, this might even be even more one-sided than that one was. Right, we're going to ask that one on Twitter then. Do you know what? We'll wait till the draft is done and dusted. Uh, we'll put the vote out after that. Because let, let's get let's get him through the draft. Let's see what he does uh, over the weekend. Then we'll ask you on Twitter, Belter or ball bag, and we'll discuss that the next time we get together. Okay. Anything else that you guys want to bring up? Just disappointment about the AF. I mean, looking at the financial figures filing for bankruptcy, it's quite incredible. Um, that they I mean they just basically dropped off a cliff. Mm. I mean, it's it, I'm just genuinely stunned by how they managed to get such a hole in their finances, given the fact that they had a deal with television and it was working. So I, yeah, I was genuinely stunned by that. Yeah, I think it was it was really disappointing to see because you were seeing some talent on the field there, and it was great to have something uh, in the off season that could kind of keep these things going I, I do wonder what it's going to mean for the XFL have they played it smarter by having a little bit more time to build things up they're obviously they're going to be financed by Vince McMahon who has all the money in the world to burn yeah. anyway so yeah, you know, yeah. he doesn't need to worry too much about that but yeah the the only plus side to everything about the AAF was the fact that it was nice to know that I was more financially stable than some professional sports <laughs> are you going to bring out your own merchandise as well <laughs> There's, there's two other things that caught okay. my eye on another podcast another day where if we had more time we'd touch about it one kudos to the Chargers powder blue yes, yes. Main. that but how long have we known that yeah you know it's, it's it's like an elephant in the room somebody's going to have to admit and eventually they've done that I didn't hate the Navy but powder blue is the better by it, far is the better by far and I don't really want to touch too much on it apart from to say what on earth is going on with Tyreek Hill yeah um, there always seems to be a story in the off-season where somebody does something incredibly dumb. Um, now, I don't want to go into it too much because there is a bit of back and forward on that and you can go online and have a look at it. But the Kansas City Star did report that Tyreek Hill's three-year-old son was recently removed from the custody of Hill and the boy's mother. It's sad for anybody, but a professional athlete is always going to get that all-encompassing uh, media and he's possibly, and I, again, I'm not downplaying this, he's probably lucky it's draft season and not just after because it would have been a much, much bigger story. But just hope, you know, the kid's okay. Yeah. That's the main thing and that they can get things sorted out. But it certainly looks like big suspension coming his way. Yeah, indeed. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, to your point, it's a shame that this stuff always seems to come out every single off-season. It's something that's not going to go away and the, the league need to address it. Uh, in the right possible manner. So yeah, right. Well, that's a sad note to leave us on. Thanks for that, Paul. But uh, helpful as always. Yeah, that concludes everything for episode forty-eight. Though we hope you've enjoyed listening. And as we said before, we'd love to hear your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us as well on Twitter at Scotland NFL and on Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash forward slash Scotland NFL. Thanks all of you who've been listening, sharing and chatting about the podcast. It's really good to get all the feedback that you continue to give us. Thanks to Gordon McGuinness, who's now part of the NFL Scotland team. We're delighted to have him on board. 
make sure that you sign up for our Predict the Pick group on the official NFL website. Remember that the winner will receive an exclusive NFL Scotland beanie and, of course, bragging rights. We'll be back after the draft to share our thoughts. We'll also have an exciting interview with the Scottish Rugby Internationalist, which we'll be sharing with you very soon. But remember to complete your mock drafts. Enjoy the event when it comes. And until next time, bye for now.